shaping up to be that exactly. It's going to be a great night. Does anybody agree with me? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. I just uh, want to welcome everybody here tonight. Thank you, everybody, who's been a part of uh, this week and receiving this week and being here, being a part of it, being a partner of these uh, meetings and Kickstart. And uh, I want to welcome you this evening. It's going to be tremendous. I also, one of the things I want to do is I want to thank, there have been tons of volunteers serving all week long. And to all the volunteers... Thank you. Thank you. There have been people that have not gotten very much sleep so that you could receive everything God had for you. And uh, we've just been so thankful for everybody who's been serving in any capacity whatsoever. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we just appreciate you. And uh, we just welcome all the ministers that are here tonight. And I see they're all dispersed throughout the crowd. And, uh, but thank you for being here. It's going to be so good. I really I want to welcome Pastor Bill and Jaron Motley and their family. Amen. Glory to God up in Danville. We are so glad to have you here. And... Uh, about a month ago, Brother Ted came and preached on a Sunday afternoon. He had just come out of an extended revival at y'all's church, and it was awesome, wasn't it? Amen. It was good, huh? <laughs> it was good. Uh, Pastor Steve and Sherry Barbie, so glad to have y'all back tonight, and we love you so very, very much. And Pastor Wes... Amanda, good to see y'all. Hello, Mr. Eric, good to see you, sir. <laughs> we love you. Philip and Heather, good to see y'all. We welcome everybody. I see there's people all throughout here. Uh, he said on the broadcast today, he said, get there early. And we knew, like on Wednesday, we had four parking spaces left. I sent out a message today. I said, y'all need to carpool if you can, uh, because it's probably wide open out there. But it's going to be a great, great night. Are you ready? Amen. Let's, uh, let's take a look here and go to Matthew chapter 14. It's time to do tithes and offerings. Amen. That's people who know. That's people who know. So in, in Matthew chapter 14, you know, uh, we have this week kickstart. Uh, it, it's kind of strategically something the Lord has given us where we'll open up a year. We'll open up a year and all of a sudden... Uh, we'll pray and fast. We'll pray and fast. We'll come out of that fasting period of time. And then before the year gets in full motion, uh, we want to have a series of meetings to kickstart the year. You know, uh, used to on an old motorcycle, you'd have to kick that pedal to get that thing to crank before everybody had electronic starts on it. But you would kickstart. In other words, Lord, we're not going to let our year sit here and be idle. No, we're going to expect. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. And on purpose, we're going to kickstart this year in you. This year will be a year full of you. And uh, what's happened over the last few years is not only has it kick-started us spiritually, but it's also kick-started our finances. Many people in these meetings over the last few years have received, I mean, they've received a breakthrough in their finances. Even this week, we've had debt supernaturally erased this week. Uh, we've seen just finances go up. It's been a constant testimony. And so one of the things that we want to do is God's called you to abundance and abundance for every good work. Never should we believe that we're going to be operating in lack from this point forward. 
If we have before, it's time to change our thinking, get in line with the Word, and walk in the abundance of God to do every good work, every good deed. God wants you in abundance. He wants you in abundance. No matter what you've been, where you came from, who, who you think you are, you're now, if you know Jesus, you are in the kingdom of God. You're in his family, and your inheritance is different. And if you don't know him, you can know him, and your inheritance can change tonight. Amen? You can have a totally different outlook, future, and inheritance starting right now tonight. Anybody receive that? Amen. Everybody always wants, like a rich uncle, uncle they never knew about. Does some, a lawyer come and visit them and say, you, did you know that you are an inheritor of this very rich man? Everybody wants that. You've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty, who owns the universe, and he wants you to be his inheritor. That's his heart and abundance. Things can change. All you have to do is say, I want to be in your family. And he'll accept you. You make Jesus the Lord of your life, believe on him, believe that he died for you and God brought him back to life. You enter into an inheritance and a family and you can have that tonight. And even if you've known him before, you can start walking in the fullness of it. The reason I say all of that is God wants your year kick-started in your finances. God's not looking at any person in this room or any person that might be watching online, even either live or in the archive. There's not one person here in this message that God desires that they be in lack. He wants them to be in abundance. He wants them to overflow. And he's, and he's provided a way. It would be so rude if he said, oh, yeah, you could be in abundance. Am I going to help you? No. <laughs> that would be so rude, unjust, but that's not who he is. He loves you. He's got a great plan for you, and he wants to overflow your life. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And I say that to say this. You have in your hands right now, everyone here in this, you have in your hands right now, everything you need to kickstart 2021 in your finances. Every, you have, well, you're, you might say, well, I don't have that much, or you have more than me. It doesn't matter. You have everything that you need right now. And I'm going to show you that. In Matthew chapter 14, you see the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And one of the things that you'll see is you'll look down here, and Jesus doesn't want uh, the people to go away. He wants them fed. And so what he says is, in verse 15, When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late. So the disciples were saying, Send the crowds away that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, one of the things I want you to see is the disciples didn't think they had anything to offer. They were in a desolate place, in a secluded place. Physically and by sight, there was nothing there. But Jesus was seeing with eyes of the Spirit. He was seeing with eyes of faith. I love what Brother Tracy says. He says, they might have been in the desert, but there was a river of God flowing in that desert. 
There was a river of provision in that desert that physical eyes couldn't see, but eyes of faith could. There was a river flowing. And see, it's just like that for every child of God. As soon as you come into the family, there's a river of God cracked open in your life. And no matter what it looks like on the outside, it's full and teeming with life in that river. And it's opened up to you. And faith reaching up into that river by faith will grab a hold of whatever provision it is that you need. Everything for a child of God, you have it within reach with your faith. With your faith. So then he says this. He says, look. He said, you give them something to eat. Verse 17. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over the broken pieces, 12 full baskets and there were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. Now, if you look at the original language, what it says is that Jesus took those loaves. He said, Lord, thank you. Just like we said just a few minutes ago, Lord, we're celebrating ahead of time. Thank you, Father, ahead of time. We're asking you right now. All of a sudden, and watch this, it says he was breaking. Now that verb there, breaking, was a continual verb. In other words, uh, the idea that it gives us is that Jesus in Matthew 14, he, he modeled what to do. He said... And watch this, let me paraphrase. He said, they said, we don't have very much out here. He said, what do we have? What do we have? They brought the fish, they brought the loaves, and, and his, his, basically in context, that's enough. Between us and the river of God flowing because we are in the family and the kingdom of God, that's all we need. He took, hear this, he took what was in their hands and he started breaking it. He started use, utilizing it. He started putting it to work. And I want you to get this picture. To the disciples, he basically was saying, see here, disciples, you take what's in your hand. 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 You break it. You believe God for the increase. You believe God for the increase. You believe God. And he just kept breaking. And he kept breaking. And he kept breaking. And he just kept multiplying and multiplying. And you took one little boy's meal and it fed 5,000. Uh, most scholars would agree it was over 15,000 people. It ends up feeding 12 baskets that were big enough to hold a man. Overflow. Overflow. A harvest on the seed from the little boy. Now, what's interesting is in the very next chapter, Matthew 15, uh, many people don't realize this happened twice in this one book. The next chapter, he feeds 4,000 people. But it's interesting because in chapter 14 before, it says Jesus kept breaking. He kept breaking. But in Matthew 15, it says it specifically, he started breaking. In other words, he started and said, remember this? This is what we just did. I'm going to show you how to start. And then he takes that same stuff those loaves and fish, and he hands it in the disciples' hands. He says, look, now the miracle's going to take place in your hands. What was he saying? I modeled it one chapter before. Listen, disciples, do what I did. What's in your hands? What's in your hands? 
What do you have? It might not look like much. It might not feel much. But to God, with a heart to sow, it's a lot. What do you have? What's available to us? What's available to us? What's available? Now, this shouldn't push us to the place where we say, well, I'll just take a little offering that doesn't mean much, and it'll mean much to God. Not with a heart like that. You know, our heart should say, no, Lord, what do I have available that you want tonight to further the kingdom of God? What do I have available that you want? And it's interesting, if you go into 2 Kings chapter 4, you remember the story of the widow, and you had her, her children were about to go into slavery. And she's sitting there in a, in a poverty, in a, a bondage right there. Her kids are about to be sold into slavery. And the man of God says, what do you have? What do you have? And immediately what comes out of her heart was, I don't have anything. But then she corrects herself and says, save a little bit of oil. That little bit of oil was enough combined with the river of God to bring a supernatural breakthrough to pay off every debt, everyone, and give her enough to live on. A little bit of oil. The question is not, what are you bringing to the table? The question is, what's God bringing to the table? Because he can take some loaves and fishes and multiply it by himself, by an omniscient power, an almighty power. He can take some loaves and fishes, multiply it by a supernatural, exponential increase, and all of a sudden you feed 15,000. He can take a little jar of oil, multiply it by himself, and before you know it, they're set for life. One more story in 1 Kings chapter 17. You see where Elijah is in need of a place, and the Lord says, I've prepared a place for you. He said, go to this widow's house. The widow's house, her and her son were about to die. They were going to make one more meal and die. And then the man of God comes in and says, don't cook that last meal for yourself. Give it to me. What was he doing? He was saying, listen, widow, what do you have? What do you have that you can say, Lord, I give you me. I give you me. To them, do you understand that logically this was their life? It was the end of their life that they were willing to give away. And God took that, multiplied it by himself, and the meal never ran out. Their food never ran out. Never. Because they said, Lord, I trust you more than I trust my life. In Revelation 12, around verse 11, it says, They overcame him. Is anybody looking to overcome the devil in their financial life? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life to the death. In other words, Lord, I trust you more than I trust anything I'm bringing. But I will take what I have, even my life, put it in your hands, and let you multiply it. And when God multiplies it, oh, man, it turns into a harvest. It turns into a blessing. It turns into a miracle because God's in it. You want God to get in your finances? Then you get your heart involved in his. You want God to get a miracle into your finances? Get your heart in his hands. Take what's in your hands, put it in his, and watch him do what he does. Just stand on your feet right now tonight.
Lord, as we give to you tonight to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God, Lord, we're not just looking at this like it's, like it's just another offering. No, Lord. Lord, we'll take what's in our hands. Lord, we're applying our faith. We're reaching into the supernatural river of God, and we know that we have in our hands what we need. God tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, He says, look, if you just purpose in your heart to be a sower, He said, I'll put seed in your hands. See, even if you came into this room tonight, and I know most people didn't, but even if you came in this room and you had nothing before you came in, I just gave you the message that can put seed in your hand, and if you have seed, then you can have a harvest. Your life can completely turn around. I'm telling you, you have the word that I just preached that can put everything in your hand to kickstart your, your whole year in the finances of God. The finances of God's abundance in heaven. So just close your eyes right now and just say, Lord, show me what you want. I put my life in your hands and I ask you to multiply it. Kickstart my finances and abundance for every good work. And I believe that as I sow tonight, in worship to you, in love for you and for your kingdom, that you're not going to just leave it in the ground, but you'll multiply it by your love and by your power, and it will return a harvest and kickstart an abundance. This is my year. I'll never have another year as low as the last one. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, shout it again. Glory to God. If you're giving tonight, you can give online at givebc.org. Make checks out to Boomerang Church. Cash app, you can give a GiveBC. Father, we just thank you. They're going to put that stuff on the screen for anybody who's watching online. Just lift your hands right now in your offering. Lord, we receive everything that you have for us. It's not just sowing and it's not just receiving. They go hand in hand. And tonight, we walk that out by faith and action on our faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Glory to God. You may bring your offering up front and put it in the basket. Thank you, Father. Lord, let every seed. Thank you. Pastor Bill, will you pray just a blessing over that? Let me get you a mic. Hallelujah. Father, we just bless you with the seeds that we're sowing tonight. Lord, we thank you. This is a year of accelerated favor. This is a year of accelerated increase. We thank you, Lord, that the prophet Amos said there's coming a day where the...
going to overtake the sower in the field, and we're living in that day right now. Glory to God. And the seed that we're sowing right now, it can come up before this service is over. Glory to God. We have an expectation of harvest right now. Lord, we've been conditioned to believe we got to wait such a long time, but you're trying to let us see that our faith takes hold of it right now. So our seed, we sow it in faith, in good ground, and we lay hold of the harvest right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. I want to say one thing, how much we love your pastors. Would you give your pastors a big hand? <laughs> Hallelujah. This, listen, this is, a, this is a great man and woman of God. And I'm going to say something because they gave me the microphone. Don't ever get familiar. Now listen to this. Don't ever grow familiar with the people God put in your life to bless you. Hallelujah. Ungratefulness will stop favor. Hallelujah. So God's given you a great man and woman of God. And we meet pastors all the time. We know all kind of pastors. You got the good ones here. They, and they got the good stuff. Oh side of them and they're giving it to you so i just encourage you love them bless them whatever you make happen for them god's gonna make happen for you amen. pastor praise god amen thank you pastor bill and chairman you may be seated i'm ready to jump into the word and the preaching of the gospel i'm ready to hear evangelist ted this evening are you ready yeah. are you excited yeah. are you expectant Glory to God. Are you ready to shoot out of here tonight, you know, about midnight? You ready to shoot out full of the Holy Ghost, overflowing, ready to take on a year in the glory of God? I am too. You're ready. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands all over the house. Father, we thank you for your wonderful anointing once again. Thank you for all that you've been doing this week. We thank you for your presence never stops manifesting for the people who have faith and we thank you tonight will be no different except we're expecting increased blessings in jesus name lord don't let one of us leave this church tonight the same way but let things take place quickly in this service let the captive be set free let sickness be healed we thank you that addictions are being broken by the power of god we expect the goodness of god to be manifested for every one of us lord i thank you that this is a week that you are literally uh, catapulting us into the rest of this year. We expect 2021 to be the best year we've ever seen by the power of the Holy Ghost. For your word declares that the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. And so we don't expect to diminish. We don't expect to lose ground. We don't expect to decrease. But we only expect to increase and prosper and conquer and overcome everywhere we go. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you all praise and glory. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. Give Jesus a hand of praise if you love him tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I can't believe it's already Friday night. And uh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see you. Could have been anywhere else, but you're in the house of God, which means you're hungry. Amen. And it's great to see every man and woman of God in the house tonight. Of course, we so appreciate Pastors Bill and Sharon Motley from all the way from Danville, Virginia are here. And all of you that have been here through the week, you know, it blows my mind. Pastor Brown was very excited. Give him a hand. I'm very happy. I was, I was happy to have him here. 
You know what's amazing is that to see the hunger of people, just in this one week, we've seen people come in from Massachusetts to be here in the building, New Hampshire. We've had people come in from Virginia, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, New York. Uh, am I missing anything? I said Massachusetts. North Carolina. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> Amen. It's great. We've had people come in from 14 hours and 14 minutes. It's both in one week. And it shows people are hungry. You know, when you'll get in a car, I want you to think about this. When you'll get in a car and drive without stopping through the night, 14 hours through a snowstorm to get into revival, that means there's hunger in your heart. Amen. There's hunger in your heart. Uh, and my... Um, my friend Pastor Brian brought it up yesterday. This is my nephews and their friends that came from Virginia Beach and from New York as well. Of course, she got to fly in. Is that right? So, hey, her arms are tired. But they came. Uh, teen, you're 16. Going to be 16. How old are you? 17. All wrote and come in. You know, they could be doing anything but here in the house of God. That's hunger, man. And I'm going to tell you something. When you come with expectancy and hunger, God honors that. I'll tell you, the Bible says he rewards those that diligently seek him. You know, I was so happy, and I know she's watching tonight, but Miss Letty that drove in from Massachusetts, she said, you know, I have a 14-hour drive home, and i got to be back at work as soon as I get back home. She said, but I'm not leaving in the morning. I'm staying until the night service, and I'm going to get what God has for me in the night. She stayed through the night service and then left at 8.30 p.m. to start a 14-hour drive to get back to her children and her job. I know God's going to bless her and all that have pressed in. Can you say Amen. I'm telling you, I've got such an expectancy for 2021. I, the Lord spoke to me even through the fall. He just, and I kept hearing this over and over. He said, get ready to run in 2021. Get ready to run in 2021. And that's not holy just because it rhymes. I believe it was a word from God. I don't like these people got to rhyme every single thing. I, it just happened to. But I'm happy because I've got this kind of an expectancy. That in order to run, that means obstacles have to be moved out of your way. Somebody say obstacles are quickly moving in Jesus' name. The anointing has the ability to go out ahead of you and move obstacles out of your way. I go all the way back to the Old Testament. You look at the story of the children of Israel going through the wilderness. And you know what they had? They had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But isn't it interesting that as they moved, and notice they didn't move until it moved. Thanks for all the shouts. They didn't move until it moved. What does that mean? They were being led by God. God wasn't following them. Watch this now. God will always go ahead of you and move obstacles and enemies out of your way. And it's, it's awesome because until it moved, they stayed where they were. But when the pillar began to move, they began to move. One, there's a lesson here, especially for New Testament people, is if God starts moving, move with him. If God starts moving, move with him. Because what will end up happening sometimes is there's people that will stay where they've always been, and God's doing something new, God's moving, and they get caught up in tradition. But because they're caught up in tradition, they don't do the new thing God's doing. And they stay stuck where they are. I find it interesting. I was reading through the Old Testament, and there's a passage of Scripture where they're getting ready. Now check this out. They're getting ready to lay the foundation of the new temple. And I love this because they finish it and the, it's only, it's not the whole temple, just the foundation is done. 
And they're all looking at this foundation. And I find it interesting. The Bible says there were two groups of people there looking at the foundation. You had the older folks that had seen the first temple. And now they're looking at this beginnings of the new temple. And then you had the young people on the other side that had never seen the old temple, but they saw what God was getting ready to do right now. And the Bible says something weird happened, that the young people who had never seen the glory of the former temple began to rejoice and shout and give thanks as they saw the new temple being built. But then the Bible says those that were still tied to the old temple and loved the glory of the former, they began to weep and moan as they saw the foundation of the new temple. And the Bible says that both sounds mixed together and became so loud you could hear it from far away. It was a mixed sound. It was rejoicing and thanksgiving and praise, and it was mourning and sadness. The sad thing is this, that we think the form sometimes or the fashion of how God did something was the real important thing. It's not how he did it. It's what he did. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, it's not how he did it. It's what he did. And see, here's the problem, is that if the older generation of that story would have understood, the same glory that was in the other temple is going to be in this temple too. The same power, the same anointing, the same virtue that was in the old is getting ready to be in the new. See, here's the thing, is sometimes we don't change because, uh, you know, we well, if it was good enough for my grandmama, it was good enough for me. And if it's good, they sang hymns, that was good enough for them. But understand something, there is a change sometimes we don't change the message but we change the method oh man let me give you an example Clorox bleach has had the same product for 50 years 50 years still get your whites just as white but they've changed the packaging on the outside a few times. They're doing it to keep up with the times. They're selling it to a new generation. And so they might change it up a little bit, but it's the same ingredients inside. It does the same work inside, but they've just changed the packaging. There's some churches. I was at a church in Florida one time. The pastor had all this trouble. You know, he wanted to do something to bring in kind of a younger generation. And so maybe he had all he did. It wasn't a big major change he he brought he added maybe two of those blue lights that's it two of those blue lights on the platform that's all he did and bought he had a little bit of a mist machine over to the side put a little mist out and they saw the lights cutting through the mist and he had three people come to the pastor i'm leaving the church those chemicals you're pumping in got into my lungs and now i got all kind of he said it's water it ain't chemicals, it's water. And people been there and say, my God, how can God move in a church where there's mist and a blue light? I don't like to get blue. Jesus didn't have no blue lights, I can tell you that right now. I don't think Jesus never had no mist machine. Yeah, he never had an acoustic guitar either, but you don't seem to mind that. Amen. And people get all caught up in how we do a thing or how. And instead of lifting your hands and thanking God that people who ain't never been to church in their life just walked through the door and came to an altar and gave their life to Jesus. And now they're on their way to heaven because the gospel is the same in every generation. If you believe it, shout amen. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And see, the gospel don't change. You can't change the gospel. 
it is what it is. And the anointing does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, God said, I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. He said, that's why I am burned you all up. <laughs> oh, you ought to thank God I don't change, he said. And so I want you to see this because God's got a plan to bless you. He has a plan to carry you not only safely through, but to bring you through in victory in 2021. I got a word for you tonight from the Holy Ghost, so I want you to receive this because we're not trudging through this year. We're not crawling through this year. We're not scraping through this year. We're, cam we're coming through in victory. I came to rally the troops tonight because we're headed somewhere. I said we're headed somewhere. Hallelujah. I said we're headed somewhere. We're not broken down, beat up victims. We're the body of Christ. As he is, so are we in this world. We're not losers. We already won. We're not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. For my Bible still said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Any victorious people shout yes. Oh, yeah. You're victorious. You're not a loser. Don't ever look in the mirror and get the devil to let you think you don't have what it takes to do what God's called. What a liar he is. I said, what a liar he is. Don't ever look at yourself and think, well, I don't have what it takes. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. God didn't want you to be. He don't need clones. He's looking for individuals. He's looking for people that aren't ashamed to carry his power and his anointing. See, the only key that we really need to grab hold of is to not be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I said, not be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm telling you one thing. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. What a foolish thing. What an anti-Christ thing to have a shame for the moving of God's spirit. I don't apologize for it and I never will, never have. I'm not ashamed that I believe that the Bible is the word of God. In this generation, they'll make you feel like a fool in this postmodern society. They'll make you feel like an idiot if you believe this is the actual word of God. Say, so, well, what about science? Science is catching up to this and always has been. You know what doctors are telling us now? Well, there are certain diseases and sicknesses that are stress-related illnesses. You know what some doctor will tell you now you go in? You need to just take it a little easy. Find yourself a hobby and just don't have so much stress. That'll be $700. <laughs> Thanks for the advice, doc. I could have just turned to Proverbs 17, 22, where the Bible said, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. God knew all those thousands of years ago that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That if you walk in joy, everything else has to get off of you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And God won't charge you $700. Amen. The Bible's still catching, the, the doctors and, and scientists still catching up to the Word of God. Amen. You can find things all through there. All through there. You know, the Bible actually taught that the earth was round when everybody still thought it was flat. Oh, we found out something new thanks to telescopes. Oh, really? Open your Bible. 
They'll make you feel like an idiot because you believe that's the inspired, inerrant Word of God. But you know what? There have been people for centuries that have tried to prove the Bible false, and they've not been able to do so. There's people that have tried to remove it from society. They've never been able to do so. God's got the bestseller of all bestsellers. Hallelujah. It stays at the top of the list. Can I tell you something? We've got more copies, manuscripts of the New Testament than any other book of antiquity in history. It's not even close. We have so over 6,000 manuscripts and fragments of just the New Testament have been discovered by archaeologists. We've got the mighty word of God preserved for us. I don't apologize for believing it. I don't apologize for preaching it. You ain't going to shame me or back me down because this society's got an antichrist agenda. I stand on the word. I believe the word. I preach the word. I love the word. Somebody shout amen. amen. I'm not ashamed of the word. I'm not going to apologize for the word. Well, don't you understand that's hate speech. It's hate speech to you. But you understand, I'm going to give you something that will help you all. Because I thought about this. Because I'll think every now and then. <laughs> and I thought because, see, here's the real issue that people face in 2021. Is that their vision is limited. It's limited. And anytime your vision's limited, then you make wrong assumptions. And this is the problem. See, I've not met one homosexual that I don't love. Not met one lesbian I don't love. Not met one person in the LGBTQ community that I don't love. I don't hate them. I love them. I want to see them come into the kingdom. I want to see them give their heart to Jesus. And we've seen them delivered. But they do need to be delivered. And so there's people who get up, give you a hard time. And give like, oh, you're, that's a bunch of hate speech. How, how dare you talk like that and preach like that and say that they don't, you know, if, unless they do this or that, they'll not make it into heaven. The reason I say it is because the Bible said it. Now, here's the problem. The reason they have an issue is because they are too far zoomed in with the lens of life and looking too tight with limited vision. The example that I normally give is this. Imagine my four-year-old son, Teddy, was out preaching, or uh, preaching, he will be preaching, out playing on the road on the interstate. Imagine this. He's out there on the double lines just goofing off. And I look over and see my son in the middle of the interstate. And I look down the road and see a Mack truck coming. And I run out there and grab his arm and yank him off the interstate quickly. And then somebody that's just watching us said, well, I don't think that big old dad should treat a young boy like that. Did you see how hard he yanked that arm? He could have pulled the arm out of the socket. He could have really injured his young son. I can't believe he'd treat us. I'm going to call CPS right now and have that boy taken away from him. You know what your problem is? You're zoomed in too tight. If you'd widen the lens and vision, you'd see there's a Mack truck coming. And if I didn't act now, and if I didn't act quick, and if I didn't act right now with that kind of a fervor, I could lose my boy forever. So it wasn't hate that made me do it. It wasn't anger that made me do it. It was love that made me do it. And the reason I preach like this, the reason I talk like this, Facebook could take me down. YouTube could take me down. I preach it from a jail cell before it's over but I love Jesus and I love people but you gotta tell the truth somebody shout truth if you love people you'll tell them the truth and the reason I, you know what true hate speech is staying silent when you know something could save somebody oh man I came to preach see because truth carries the power to break chains I said it carries the power to break chains 
When this word goes forth, it'll smash down walls. It'll smash down every hindrance. It'll open prison doors. It'll set the captives free. Oh, yeah. And it's the anointing of God that does it because his anointing's on his word. Oh, glory to God. You go to a church that doesn't preach the word, I guarantee you there ain't no anointing there. No anointing. You know how I know? God doesn't honor things he didn't say. My God, we had, we had a, I'll tell you what, we had a meeting the other day. Pastor didn't get a chance to preach. You didn't have a meeting. Amen. Thanks for all the shouts. Because the power is on the word. Let me, let me write this down in your notes. The power of God's spirit travels in the vehicle of his word. What does he confirm with signs following? His word. Say it again. His word. Write it in your notes. The power of God's spirit travels in the vehicle of his word. Jesus spoke the word. Even the centurion said, speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. He said, oh my goodness, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. He said, yeah, I'm going to speak. And see, notice that all of the uh, Jews that were around Jesus didn't even believe him the way that Italian man did. He said, I've not seen faith like this before. This is unbelievable. He said, all right. And he spoke the word, and the moment he spoke it, it went forward. Notice this. Jesus didn't have to travel to the centurion's house. He didn't have to get up to his house, get over there, get off his horse, donkey, or whatever he's riding, get it, open the door, go in, lay hands on the servant. He just spoke a word. And when he spoke a word, the power of his spirit was on that word. And the word traveled like a vehicle to that man's house. And when he arrived, he opened the door, out stepped the power of the spirit, and made the servant whole. Hallelujah. In the Bible, it says, Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent his word and and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Somebody say, the word, the word. Has, power. has power. Say it again, the word, the word. Has, power. has power. And there's the word and there's the spirit and they agree. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Growing up years ago, they called us holy rollers. Call us what you want. Amen. Call us whatever you want. Man, people can mock it if they want to. It's always funny to me that there's people get all bent out of shape at their Pentecostal charismatic church. They get all mad and they go, and they'll go to some other church and they'll leave and get offended and go till they need a miracle and then they come back and know who to ask for prayer. It always makes me laugh because they always come to the ones that believe in miracles when they need a miracle. I've seen it. I was an associate pastor for nine years. I know what I'm talking about. You know, Ben, I say, well, I don't like, he's a false prophet. He's a right, right, right. And then they leave and go somewhere else. And they come back, Pastor, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if you could pray or not. You know why they come back? Because the church that they feel comfortable in, where ain't nobody preaching against sin, ain't nobody preaching on the word and the power of the spirit or holding you to a standard. You know why they come back? Because they can sit in that church for seven years and live in sin and never feel convicted of their sin. They can sit in a place where the presence of God isn't even dwelling. He hadn't been there. They kicked him out two decades ago. Oh, I'm preaching good tonight because we're, we've got churches in America that have turned into social clubs and they've turned into places where entertainment 
Simon abides, but the Spirit of the Lord does not abide. We have advertised on our websites things to bring people into the house of God that should be no advertisement. I don't come to this church because they got good coffee in the lobby. I don't come here because they got a few muffins. I don't come here for the fellowship or the entertainment. I come to church. Listen, you can't beat the world on entertainment. If I need a donut, I can go to a donut shop. If I need coffee, I can go to a coffee house. If I want entertainment, I can go to a Cirque du Soleil, watch people flip around and flash lights. But when I need a miracle, there's only one place I can come. It's the altar of the Almighty God. Shout amen. amen. Glory. It's only one place that you need to come. It's the presence of the Most High God. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Well, you know the story. When we left here in 2011 or 2012, my daughter was in the hospital back in Virginia. Doctors pulled a long face and told me she had a blood disease and a heart problem, all this other stuff. Let me tell you what. I know who to talk to and who not to talk to. Some of y'all remember the testimony. We finished the tent meeting right down here on the field where the, owned by the YMCA. How many were in the tent meeting if we were there? And we had that tent meeting and we lasted a week. And we came home and she, that attack hit her little two-year-old body. And she got her eyes rolling in the back of her head. And she's up in an ICU room and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with her. And trying to pull blood and do tests and figure out why she's got these problems. And the doctor pulls me and says, Mr. Shuttlesworth, I got some news for you. It doesn't, it's not good. Your daughter's got a rare blood disease, and she's got heart problems. And what did they say? Something can, what was the thing with the heart? Myocardi myocarditis. I don't even know how to say it. Because I didn't spend time researching it and going on WebMD and writing all the stuff down. There's people got more faith in WebMD than the Word. Or hear what I'm saying? And I go in there, and he, he said, listen, we got to run some tests because I'm sorry, she'll have to take heart medication her whole life, and she'll have to, she won't be able to run or play because any exertion of her heart will cause more problems on the heart. Told me all this stuff. And uh, my wife and I, we got angry. I said, this ain't our story in Jesus' name. And I, I got very plain with the Lord. Sometimes it don't, he, he, that's faith, you know. I said, Lord, I need a miracle here. I said, because I'll tell you, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to get a, a healing for my daughter, or you just lost a preacher. Because I ain't going to travel around this world, around this nation, telling everybody that Jesus is a healer, and I can't even get healing in my own house. Either it works, or it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, I ain't preaching it. But I preach it because I know it's true. The Word of God said it, and it'll come to pass. And I tell you, they all gave me all these reports, and I said, let me tell you something. I got to go. I got to run home. I got, I got to get a prescription. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I got a prescription for my daughter. And where did I get it from? I went back to our lazy Susan in the house and opened it up, pulled out the Mazzola cooking oil, went back to the hospital. I had, I'm sure the nurses were wondering, why has he got cooking oil coming through the lobby? I went back up to the room. I poured that Mazzola cooking oil in my hand. It became the anointing oil. Moments earlier, it had fried chicken. Now it's anointing oil. Hallelujah. It'll work in a pinch. I poured it in my hand, and we anointed our daughter on that hospital bed and commanded the blood disease to go and commanded the heart problems to go. Loose her and let her go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And when we prayed, the doctors came back in. He said, uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth, we're just running a few more tests, and we have to draw some more blood. I said, run the test and draw the blood. 
and he went back to the lab. And the next time he came back in the room, it wasn't just the doctor. He had two other doctors with him. They had clipboards. Now they're checking equipment. They're trying to figure out. I said, I know something's going on here. And they came back. They said, well, we're running some more. I said, run some more. Came back from the lab. Now it's the doctor and his two buddies and the clipboards and a bunch of medical students. Now they're trying to learn something. Come back in. We're going to learn something on this. And they come, by the time they came back in the third time, he pulled me to the side. He said, Mr. Shuttlesworth, I don't know what to tell you, but I can't find any trace of the disease. I can't find any trace of the heart problem. And he said, I got to send her home. That's the God we serve. That's the word we believe. All things are possible to them that believe. If you believe it, lift both hands and shout unto the Lord if you know he's a miracle-working God. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. You think I'm going to be ashamed of the Holy Ghost? When I know what he's done for me and what he's capable of doing, I'll tell you, I started fasting and praying. Because I said, I'm not going to have a powerless ministry. We're going to see God move. We're going to see God touch his people. And I was asking the Lord one time. I said, Lord, I want you to show yourself mighty in these meetings and crusades. Show yourself mighty. I want to see you perform miracles. You know what he said to me? I heard it just as plain as day in my spirit, not audibly, in my heart. He said, you've gone as far as you can go at your current level of prayer. That's what he told me. You've gone as far as you can go at your current level of prayer and fasting. And you know, I didn't get upset and kick a can. So I thought you can do anything. You're a God that can do anything, huh? No. You know what I started doing? Praying more. Yeah. Fasting more. Yeah. And I, I went on a 21-day fast and began to pray, believe in God. If I got to get my flesh out of the way, get this flesh out of the way. Hallelujah. Yeah. I said, if I'm holding it back, if it's my unbelief, if it's my flesh, if it's my problem, get it out of the way. I want to see the Holy Ghost move. First meeting we had after I prayed and fasted 21 days was in Sussex, New Brunswick in, in Canada. And I went up to preach and we had a wonderful service. People were there excited. God was touching his people. Gave the altar call for salvation. And a woman came out of the second row. You know, she was about 40 almost. Can you believe it? All her life living in Canada. It's not a third world nation. It's close, but I'm just kidding. God bless you that are watching from Canada. It's time to move. And so she, <laughs> I'm just messing around, seriously. And she came, she came to the altar. You know what she said? She said, you know, all the years I've, I've lived here and been alive. She said, no one has ever invited me to church before. Not one invitation to church. Not one invitation. The first time visitor, the first time she'd ever been in the house of God, she felt the anointing on the gospel, came to the altar, gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Saved on one night. You know what I like about people that are newly saved? They haven't had a bunch of bad doctrine preached into them. And so here she is fresh in the faith. And I said, well, after now we've had the salvation altar call, we're going to pray for those who need miracles. She said, oh, we're going to have miracles? Let me go get my son. He needs a miracle. She ran down into the kids' class and pulled out her six-year-old son, Timothy, ran him back up the stairs. And see, I'm still a young preacher at the time. She comes in. People are already lined up. You know, we've already got the prayer line lined up around the church. She didn't know church etiquette. She'd never been to church before. She cut everybody off in line and came to the front. She said, pray for my son first. Hallelujah. Well, we do have a line. Amen. And so she stood in there. I, she said, pray for him. I said, well, what's he need? She said, he's been blind in his right eye for five years. I thought, we're not going to start with the hangnails and the tummy aches. We're, we're starting with the blind tonight. 
No lie. She brought him right to the front. Remember? And she said, pray for Timothy. He's been blind for five years. He looked up at me. One eye had no recognition. The other one could see me. And I felt, I mean, when I, I took his glasses off, he also had glasses. I said, I'm going to lay hands on your boy. And I laid hands on him. When I did, I could feel the compassion of Christ come over me. I'm telling you, I felt it. And it made me think of that verse of scripture in the Bible where it said, and being moved by compassion, he healed them all. Hallelujah. I felt the love of Jesus. I felt the compassion of Christ. I laid my hand on that little boy, Timothy. I said, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name. Open this blind eye and take all the glory for your miracle working power. I began to pray over him just like that. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And when I took my hand off of his eye, he had a little six-year-old boy looked at me. And he said, I can see you just like that. His mom dropped to the ground, started weeping in the presence of God. I made him cover up his eye that could see for six years. And I, st I took about, what, 30 paces back. And I started holding up fingers. You do what I do. His other eye covered. He did exactly what I did from 30 paces away. And in moments, God opened up his blind eye and he could see without a problem. You think I'm going to be ashamed of the Holy Ghost? You think I'm going to be ashamed of the power of God? You think I want to go some liturgical, falling back into nothing church where you could, might as well write Ichabod on the door and burn the thing to the ground? Because the Holy Ghost hadn't been there in 30 years. It's time to get back to the power of the almighty God. What did the apostles see? What did Jesus see? What did the early church see? They saw the power of the living God. Let me tell y'all something. If you look at 2021 and look around America and around the world and you think the thing we need is more communication, if you think we just need more conversations, you think that people that are black and people that are white need to sit down and have more conversations one with another so we can better understand each other and that's going to take hate out of people's heart. I got news for you. It ain't going to. The reason hate is in people's heart is because they're unsaved and they're dead in their trespasses and in their sins they need to get saved and washed in the blood and get ready for heaven yeah. everything sitting in church ain't saved oh I'll preach it tonight I don't care devil goes to church more faithfully than most Christians do you know when the lockdown happened in 2020 it took five weeks for people to even know they couldn't go to church you know why? Because the statistics show that the average Christian goes to church once every five weeks. There's people who didn't even know they could. What do you mean the church is shut down? It's been shut for a month. <laughs> they didn't even know. They've been out. They've been gone. And you got people that don't understand. That's why I'm so thankful for a room full of people that are hungry tonight. Amen. It's good to preach to hungry people. It's good to preach to anointed people. But you know what I'm talking about very well. That there's people that'll sit in church, they punch their card on Sunday and head on home. It's like heroin for their arm. I mean, I, I, I've even considered, and I still may do it, holding revivals. I ain't preaching Sunday morning. Pastors, you can have it. Because there's people that'll come in Sunday morning and sit there and stare you down, and they won't be back all week long. No matter. I don't care if the dead are raised in the church. I don't care if blind eyes come on. I don't care if you have 50 blind people healed. They'll stay home. They're only there to punch their car. We only come on Sunday. Sunday mornings, amen. I'm being totally honest with you. And there's people that don't give a care 
You like how your evangelist edited there? I'm telling you, they don't care whatsoever what God's doing. Long as they can come every other Sunday morning, pop that heroin, get a couple verses in their scripture, and feel good about the fact, well, we went to church. Amen. I dropped my five in the offering plate. Amen. Oh, you don't have to shout, but I'm going to preach it because we got people here and people watching from Canada that need a word. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't want that kind of dried up Christianity. I don't want that kind of dead Christianity. And just because you sit in the church, it don't make you holy. It don't make you righteous. It don't make you saved. There's racism in the pews of the church. There's people that'll sneak in and act like they're part of the kingdom of God. and They'll lift their hands and they know all the songs, but they got problems because they hate their brother because of the color of his skin. But my Bible still said... If you say you love God and hate your brother, then you're a liar and the love of God is not in you. I came to tell you it's time for a revival in the church first before it comes into the nation. I know what the Bible says, that when the righteous rule, then the nation rejoices. And if the wicked rule, then the, then the nation mourns or the nation ain't glad. But people don't even understand the principle that it's not about what's in the White House. It's about what's in God's house. If you understand dominion and authority, the devil can't even do what he wants to do if the church will stand up and be who we're made to be. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. How, how can we think any other way when the Bible said, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Forgive them. How can we believe that if the body of Christ really came together and got on fire and got hungry and would fast and pray and study this word and preach this gospel and live holy and separated from sin, God can't ignore his people. I said he can't ignore. Did you know that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth to find people whose hearts are loyal to him on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty i came to prophesy to the faithful tonight until you get ready for a year where god's eyes find you and he shows himself strong and mighty on your behalf it ain't a year to suffer it ain't a year to drag it ain't a year to be defeated get ready for the blessing of god shout aloud amen Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. It's the anointing that makes the difference. I said, It's the anointing that makes the difference. So, there, listen, there's people that would leave a service like this, and the only takeaway they'd have is, Man, he was loud. Tell you what, I think the sound man was just deaf. There's people leave a service, that's what their takeaway would be. Because their inside needs to be turned around. We need to catch back on fire again. I said we need to catch back on fire again. Don't allow yourself to drag. Draw near unto God and he'll draw near unto you. My step has to be the first step. God's a gentleman 
Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not trying to harass you and overtake you. He's looking for hunger. Yeah. Come unto me, all of you that are weary, heavy laden. I'll give you rest, for my yoke is easy. Let me just give you something that will stir your faith. Faith doesn't just make things possible, makes them easy. <laughs> I know that goes against the grain of what so many preachers preach. How might no God get ready to drag you through the problem? You know, you get all these preachers that'll preach to you. They want to be so climactic in their preaching. They'll drag you through three shades of mud before they get you delivered. How many know God's been sending some things to test you? How many know 2020 God opened up the test? Ain't no testimony without a test. And God brought you through the mud. He brought you through the fire. He brought you through the trial. He put that thing on you to take it off for his glory. They'll preach to you like that because they think God's a child abuser. So the way some preachers preach, if God was an actual human being, child protective services would take us away from him. I'm not kidding. They'd come right into the church, say, every one of you come with, we're going to find you a new family. Come right now. There's people teaching God puts cancer on people and God puts poverty on people. God teaches you how to lean more fully on him. And that's why he put you through this test to see where your faith truly was. I don't serve a God like that. I'm an earthly imperfect father and I got three kids. I can't imagine anything they would do. But you know what? You haven't cleaned your room for 21 days. I think you need a little touch of cancer. Because I've been telling you for 21 days. I've been talking to you for two years about cleaning up your room and you haven't done it yet. Type 2 diabetes coming on you right now. You better get past that lollipop. It'll put you in a grave. What I'm not, and I'm an earthly father. I'm an imperfect father. I, I'm not God. I'm not God. But he is God. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? I got news for you tonight. God's got good gifts for 2021. Get yourself ready for the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. I'm trying to preach like it's my last time wearing this suit. And it might be if I'm not careful. <laughs> Pastor Brian fed me too good for a week, and if one of these buttons lets go here, somebody's losing an eye. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody shout, good gifts. Good Say good gifts. good gifts. God's got good gifts for you. I said he's got good gifts for you. He's a God that blesses you. He doesn't curse you. He's not here to take you out. He's not here to destroy you. He doesn't have a plan to diminish you or decrease you. You serve a God that's got a plan to lift your head and shoulders above the rest, to make you a spectacle of his glory, a spectacle of his grace, so that when the world looks at you, they have to point their finger and say, I can't understand how in the midst of a crisis they can be so blessed. And when they ask you, say, thanks be unto God who gives me the victory. Somebody shout victory. victory. I love it. That's Old Testament too. That ain't even New Testament. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And it was said among the heathen, 
That's King James Version. Set among the heathen. Newer versions say it was set among the nations. You know why it translated a heathen? Because the other nations didn't serve God. They were heathen. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Let me tell you all, it's one level when you stand up and testify on your own behalf. I want to give thanks and honor to God for what he's done for me. Listen to my testimony. That's one level. It's another level when a brother or sister in Christ testifies on your behalf and says, let me tell you what God did over there for them. It blew my mind. I saw their blessing. I saw the breakthrough. But it's a whole nother level when your crack-smoking Uncle Harold, who hadn't been to church in his whole life, takes a look at your life and sees what God has done and lifts his hands and say, the Lord did that. That's not natural. That's not normal. No boss could have done it. No corporation could have done it. A stimulus check couldn't have got it done. But you serve the Almighty God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let me tell you, when God blesses you, he has plans to bless you big. That way, he takes all the glory. If he did it small, somebody could sweep it under the rug. Somebody could call it a coincidence, but it ain't a coincidence. He's not going to bless you coincidence style. <laughs> Jesus laid down his life in front of a crowd. Gave up the ghost in front of a crowd. So nobody could say, well, did he really die? I mean, I don't think we ever saw him actually die. Laid down his life in front of a crowd. So that by the time they came to find him on the third day. That's how powerful your God is. Jesus is so powerful, he didn't even need a full three days. Died in the evening of the first day. They came to check the tomb before the dawn of the third day. He was already gone. You know, he's so powerful, he didn't even need to buy a tomb. He just rented one. Had his disciples go on tombbnb.com, get him something for real quick, just like three days. I'll be at, tell him it's going to be an early checkout. Amen. Stone was already rolled away. The grave clothes already folded up, and they're in there. They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Hallelujah. So the point is this. He did it in front of a crowd so that when he was resurrected, they couldn't say it didn't happen. They couldn't say he didn't die. Everybody sat there and watched him die. They saw him give up the ghost. They saw him take him down off the cross. They saw him wrap his body. They saw him put him in a tomb. They saw him roll the stone in. They saw him dead. And then, just so nobody could say he didn't really get up, Paul said that he showed his resurrected body to over 500 people at one time. So nobody could say, well, that was your delusion. You missed him so much you thought you saw him no he showed himself to a big crowd of people and Paul said that if the resurrection of the dead is not true then my preaching and your faith is in vain but you all know that God showed himself through Christ to 500 of the brothers at one time hallelujah somebody shout he's not dead he's alive He'll do it in such a big way that nobody can deny it. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I could preach that. Because here's the thing. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. 
It's powerful to me because faith doesn't just make things possible, makes them easy. People don't like to hear that, but I'm going to tell you, faith is not something that makes things harder. Let me ask you, I mean, if it was, Jesus is lying, but he wasn't lying. He said, I'll give it, my yoke is easy, my burden is What do you think Jesus was going to say? You think life's hard? If you think your life's hard now, you just come yoke yourself to me. I'll show you what hard is. For my yoke is heavy. My burden is hard. No. He said, it's easy. It's light. If you're living a life as a Christian, you're defeated all the time, it's a hard life, you're doing it wrong. I remember when I was a, a, a father, a young father. First, and you know, my daughter got really into princesses. And Christmas time came around and she so wanted the Barbie princess castle. Oh, she wanted it. So bad. And fine. So we went and got it. But my wife, she's a good woman. She said, who wants to wait on Christmas morning for dad to put the gifts together before they can play with them? Won't you put them together Christmas Eve when they're sleeping? I said, I think I will. So I pulled that big old Barbie princess castle box out. It was only like 400 pieces. I thought, you know what? I'm a man. I don't need this. I, I opened that box up, and the first thing on top was a set of instructions. I threw them out. Don't need that. I'm a man. I can put together a Barbie castle. No help from no instructions from China. Look what it's done for us. We don't need no instructions from China. <laughs> threw those things over my shoulder and dumped the pieces out. And I looked at the example on the box. I said, I got this. And I sat there for like an hour and a half just popping this thing together. Only problem was, by the time I was done putting it together, I had like 42 leftover pieces. None of the lights in the castle would turn on and the music wouldn't play. And I was getting more and more frustrated to the point I was ready to take this whole castle out. And at the time, just at the moment that I had cocked my 12-gauge Benelli shotgun and pointed it right at the castle, I had number eight birdshot in just to get it to spread nice and good and destroy the whole thing. My wife, as women can do because they're anointed to do so, she just kind of waltzed in the room and said, maybe you'd like to check the directions. <laughs> Walked right back out. I mean, just that quick. And I thought, you know what? She's exactly right. I pulled out the instruction manual and I opened it up. Oh, that goes, that goes there. Oh, that. Oh, I knew that from the top, actually, to be honest with you. I had a feeling that's when. And I went through it, and with the instruction manual, you know what? The whole thing became easy. It was not difficult. It is numbered. Here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step three. And see, God didn't just give us his spirit. He didn't just give us Christ. He gave us his word. And this is the instruction manual for life. And I'll tell you, faith doesn't make things harder. It makes things easier. Let me ask you a question. What's the easiest way to get through an obstacle? If you're standing in front of the Red Sea, would it, is it easier to take 15 years and build a bridge and get everybody start laboring? Two, don't have enough time. Pharaoh's coming. He's coming to take you back into bondage. How about this? Why don't you just hold all of Egypt's gold and silver? I love this story. I mean, think about this for a minute. This is a picture of salvation in the Old Testament. This is a picture of redemption. When they came out of bondage, that was being freed from sin. But not only that, book of Psalms says, as they came out, wasn't a feeble one among them. That's healing, divine healing. And then they knocked on their neighbor's doors and said, hey, could I have all your gold and silver, please? Absolutely. Hang on a second. 
And the Bible says they laid it in the arms of the Israelites and they walked out of Egypt and in this way plundered the Egyptians. That's the covenant blessing or prosperity of God. Three elements of salvation that we see in the Old Testament brought over into the New and now they're delivered from bondage and they're free from all feebleness. There's no sickness or feeble. You know, nobody went through the Red Sea on a walker with yellow tennis balls on the end of it. Just, just hold Pharaoh back for one more minute. <laughs> faster, faster, Mordecai. <laughs> He's coming. Nobody came through the Red Sea on a walker. Nobody came through the Red Sea all bound up with arthritis. Nobody had to be wheeled through. Nobody had to be carried through on a mat. There wasn't one. I want you to think of what a miracle that is, that these people were slaves, and they'd been in bondage, and there was almost two million of them. Two million. And they're all walking through. And the Bible says God just opened up the sea. See, they couldn't. They needed their arms to carry the gold and to carry the silver and to carry the jewelry. You know what the easiest thing faith can do for you notice they didn't have to run that gets me excited I said that gets me excited they didn't have to run they walked how hard is it to walk through an impossible situation they didn't even have to hold the water back they just walked through the sea while God kept the water open and as they walked through in their victory God brought their enemies in behind them and once the last one of them walked out the people of God were free and God defeated their enemies they didn't have to swing a sword they didn't have to hold up a shield they didn't have to throw a spear God did it on their back half through their faith oh yes faith doesn't just make it possible makes it easy I said it makes it easy and I'm gonna tell you something that's so powerful is that when the anointing is working on your behalf and it is when you're a believer see the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 4 that we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels Glory to God. Somebody shout, I've got treasure in this body. I got treasure in this body. See, everybody gets all hung up on the vessel. You need to get hung up on what's in the vessel. <laughs> if we see that's an antichrist thought process. Well, sir, this is a white church. This is a black church. This is a Puerto Rican church. That's how you know it ain't God's church. Because the Bible says that when God brings them in, he draws all men unto him. Not a certain kind. Not a certain tax bracket. Not from a certain side of the tracks. When God brings them in, he brings all men unto himself. See, the problem is we try to define our Christianity based on what's on the outside instead of what's on the inside. Oh, I'm preaching good tonight, and it needs to be preached. In America, somebody that's watching needs to turn up your computer. Because hear what I'm saying right now. Here's part of where the devil tries to use so faith becomes hard, not easy. Is he puts us at odds with one another based upon what we see in the natural realm. That ain't the way God moves. That's not the way God operates. For in the kingdom, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. That's what they didn't even understand when they were questioning Jesus. With the same guy, you know, same woman dies and it gets a brother and then the brother and marries all the whole family. Who's she going to be married to in heaven? He said, the reason you're asking dumb 
questions because you don't understand the kingdom. Jesus didn't have any issue. Pull, you know, he didn't pull punches. He just let him have it. The Pharisees, he let them have it. Because in heaven, there is no marrying or giving in marriage. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. And we don't judge based on the outward. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. I said, God looks on the heart. There's a difference when you got a generation of David sitting in this room tonight that are the eighth son, the new beginnings people. There's a difference because Samuel, even the prophet of God, he would have chosen the oldest son. Oh, he's big and strong. He's a soldier. He's handsome. He's the man God says. See, you're looking on the outward. Oh, what about his brother? He, and notice that, that, that Jesse didn't even call David in out of the field. So even his dad didn't believe in him. But that's the one God already anointed. And if the, if the prophet would have had his way, he'd have gone based on what he saw in the natural. But God said, it ain't him. I've rejected him. I've rejected him. But I've chosen David. I came to encourage you because there's people in this room tonight that the devil would lie to you and tell you that there's gone too much stuff going on in your life for God to use you at that level of anointing. And that there's problems you've had to face and things you've had to go through that disqualify you from being anointed by God. But understand something many times God will pick who man would never pick I said God will pick who man would never pick look how God works he said I need somebody to be my mouthpiece on the earth and walk right into Pharaoh's court and speak to Pharaoh by the face he said who am I going to choose a man with a speech impediment think about that for a minute I said, think about that for a minute. God will choose who he wants to choose. He'll choose who's available to it. He ain't looking for the most skilled. He's looking for the most faithful. And when the anointing of God is in your life, and when you're available to the Holy Ghost, he uses the ones that are yielded and available. Going somewhere. I want you to catch this. Because in 2021, we're going to run with obstacles removed. I said obstacles removed give you a couple things before I pray. Now look at this. In Joshua chapter th uh, 6, we have the story of, not Joshua 6, but Joshua 3, we have the story of uh, the people of God going across the Jordan River. The only problem was it was the harvest season. And in the harvest season, the Jordan became a rushing river and overflowed its banks, the Bible says. It's not the time to cross. It's not the time to cross. And if you've got children and animals and everything else, you don't cross at that time. But God said you're going to cross. So what did he tell them to do? Tell the priests who are bearing the Ark of the Covenant to be the first ones to go across. And so the Bible says they put it on their shoulders. And as they began to walk, oh, hallelujah. Somebody say walking by the anointing. See, if you walk by the anointing, then obstacles have to get out of your way. I said obstacles have to get out of your way. See, but if you're not walking by the anointing, you're what the military calls AWOL. If you're in line with delegated authority in the military and they send you on a mission, if you get in trouble, they'll send backup. If you start determining your own missions and go do your own stuff like a rogue soldier, if you call for backup, they're going to just come get you and put you in the military prison. There's a difference between doing things on command and doing things of your own accord. Oh, man, this is a principle I wish people could catch. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so as we move forward by faith, I only want to do what I hear God say do. 
Do you realize David understood this principle so powerfully that when they came and took his wife and his children and possessions and all the men's wives and children's possessions away and kidnapped them instead of turning into Liam Neeson for take them four and say, I have a very particular set of skills. Before doing any of that, he said, let me pray. And you know it was a stressful prayer because the Bible says they were so heartbroken his men picked up stones to stone him. That's when you better pray quick. The stones are in the hands. Lord, in, G in Jesus' name. And he begins, you know what he said? If you're not going with me, I ain't going. You think about the man David who was a man after God's own heart who said, I'll give up my wife. I'll give up my children. I'll give up my possessions if you're not going with me. You think about how you got to put the flesh under to say that. He said, Lord, I'm not going to pursue unless you come with me. Will I, if I pursue, will I recover all? He said, go ahead. Why did he inquire of the Lord first? Because he needed a word from the Lord to be victorious. That's why I'm preaching a word into your spirit tonight. And I'm not pulling back or holding back because I want to unload this word into your heart. So you run out of this room tonight with faith. I'm preaching the gift of faith into your spirit tonight. So you don't go home and turn on some Christian news station or television network and hear some jack and ape selling. Look it up later. It's an actual word. We've got these vitamins we'd like to sell you. Why has every Christian program turned into people selling vitamins? Have you run out of things to preach? Are you literally raising money to be on television and get people got a lost and dying world and you got a vitamin people need to take and you've got a supplement? Are you kidding me? You're raising money to get on television worldwide and sell a vitamin? We need to get the gospel into the hearts of men. And then you'll have people get on and tell you how hard it is. Well, you know, I want you to, I know God can do anything, but you know, there's times we need to hunker down. There's a dude on television right now who's selling you thousand, for $1,000 a big bag of rice and some dried beans for the tribulation. You can go live on his property in a pup tent. We've gotten a lot of property here acquired so that when the tribulation begins, you can come live with us. We'll have a commune. Yeah, because I'm sure when the Antichrist military comes, your pup tent's going to really keep you free. Don't come in. This is the Christian community. We've got pup tents and rice and beans. You've got a bunch of nut job crooks on television. And then you know what they do? They sit all the senior citizens at tables in the television studio. Here's the recipes you can make with the rice and beans. How's that taste, Ethel? Mmm, this is good. I can't. I'll be honest with you, George, I could eat this through the tribulation. You got people taste testing. How's that fajitas con carne? It's making my tummy rumble, George. Don't know if that's a tribulation meal, to be honest with you. Can't get out of the bunker in time. And they're paying money to be on television to take people's social security checks for rice and beans that you could have gone down to Sam's Club and dropped $22.88 on rollback and had yourself plenty of rice and beans and saved yourself the constipation and diarrhea and having to listen to that guy talk to you for an hour. There are crooks that are masquerading as men of God who aren't even preaching the gospel. But I came to encourage you, you're not going to be around here because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, I'm out.
You can keep your pup tent. You can keep your field. Keep your rice. Keep your beans. When I hear the trumpet, I'm getting out of here. Shout yes. Not sticking around. Amen. I got to preach faith into your heart. Because you can let external stimulus actually break down your faith. I refuse to listen to the report of the world. I refuse to listen to the report of the world. Huh. You know, it's not just once in your life you come to that decision, Pastor. Whose report? It's every day. You wake up, you get more reports. You've got an opportunity for unbelief or an opportunity for faith. I choose faith. I said, I choose faith. That's why I turned off all the news. Turned it off. Don't need it. You don't know what's going on. I don't have an idea. I saw some word today on my Twitter feed. Said impeachment too. And I wrote, I wrote out a tweet. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if impeachment was done with real peaches? <laughs> Instead of that canned stuff in the goo? But fresh peaches for the impeachment. It'd be delicious. I'm telling you right now, I could go for a good impeachment after the service. <laughs> with, with some cream and some berries. Oh, I've always liked a good impeachment with ice cream. I love impeachment ice cream. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't know a thing that's going on. I'm not ashamed to tell you. Hallelujah. It's not because I'm dumb. It's because I've chosen to shut it off. Because half of it's contrived, probably more than half, about 95% is contrived anyway. It's what they want you to think, what they want you to believe. And I'm not participating in the world's crisis anyway. I'm, that's not my story. That's not who I'm connected to. That's not where my provision comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. I said my help comes from the Lord. And guess what? It's New Testament. I don't have to look to the hills from whence cometh my help. That's old covenant, baby. In the new covenant, he put his spirit on the inside of you. My help is right in here. For the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant walked toward the Jordan River that was rushing with rapids. The Bible says, and by the time their feet touched the banks, whew, the water that was flowing down folded over on top of itself and ran back up. And the water that was where it stopped kept on going down to a town named Adam. And all that was left was dry ground. I love how God gives his people dry ground. I said he gives his people dry ground. See, if any little thing could be left over from the water, even droplets, that's all it takes to make mud, dirt, and a little bit of water. But they didn't walk across on muddy ground. They didn't have to go across and mess up their Jerusalem ones and have to go to Foot Locker and get shoe cleaner. They didn't have to do it. Dry ground. Somebody say dry ground. Dry ground. Which shows you. See, the water was their obstacle. The water was their obstacle. Notice God didn't leave one bit of their obstacle left in front of them. 
I don't care if it's something big standing against you or the little foxes that spoil the vine. Everything that opposed you in 2020 is getting up to run out of your way in 2021 because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. And the priests bearing the ark came walking across and stood in the middle of the riverbed while every last person in the company of Israel came walking across the river. What others said was impossible for you is about to become very possible. What others said couldn't happen is about to happen in Jesus' name. What the devil said you'd never do, you're going to do it twice by the power of the Holy Ghost just to rub it in his ugly defeated face for you're more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. See, the Ark of the Covenant was something that held the anointing of God. That's why when David brought it back and Uzzah reached out his hand and touched it and God said, don't touch my anointing, he fell down dead. And David said, I can't bring it back like this. I'll leave it in Gath for a while. And then I'll go back and figure out how to bring it back to Jerusalem. After three months, somebody say three months. Three months. Obed-Edom and Gath had kept the ark for three months. And then a messenger came to David. He said, you better go get the ark. Second Samuel 6, you better go get the ark. He said, why? He said, Obed-Edom's had it for three months. And now his whole house is blessed. His servants are blessed. Wives are blessed. Dogs are blessed. Cats are blessed. Mice are taking the cheese off the trap. Trap won't go off blessed. Everybody's getting blessed. And they went to get it. Why? Because there's a man, Obed-Edom, that even though he lived in Gath, Goliath's hometown, where they hated God's people, even though he lived there, he said, I'll guard the anointing for you. And just the fact that he was willing to guard the ark of God and protect the anointing of God. God said, if you protect my anointing, you let it in your house, I'm just going to pour out blessing after blessing after blessing. I'll make sure you increase when others are decreasing. Other people getting laid off, you're going to get a promotion. Other people losing out, you're going to increase. And I'm telling you, that's what God will do when the anointing's active in your life and you guard the anointing and you honor the anointing of God. His hand of blessing comes upon you. Notice what it did. That thing moved the rushing Jordan River out of their way. So number one, somebody say obstacles, obstacles. are being removed. removed. Say it again, obstacles, obstacles. Are, being are being removed. If you're taking notes, you can write the reference down. 1 Samuel 5, the Bible says finally the Philistines, because the Israelites had not been living the way they should, the Philistines took the ark of God from the Israelites. They thought they won the thing. They're fist bumping and chest bumping and, you know, raising the roof. They take the ark of God back to Ashdod, the Bible says. And they put the ark in the temple of their false god, Dagon. <laughs> Dummies. Dummies. And you see, if you study history, Dagon was this big statue with a trunk like an elephant and all this. Big old, you know, had his hands out, had his trunk out, head, big old statue. And they bring this, and the ark, if you study the Bible, the ark of the covenant wasn't big. It was small. It was small. Little box. It held three items. The Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and a golden pot filled with manna from the wilderness. 
By the way, three items that represent three different things. The tablets, the order of God. The rod, the authority of God. And the manna, the provision of God. When the anointing comes in your house, order's coming back in your house. Everything that was out of order, the anointing snaps it back into order by the power of the Holy Ghost. When the anointing comes into your house, authority comes into your house. Everything that tried to challenge you and stand against you has to bow its knee to the mighty name of Jesus for the anointing of the Holy Ghost is in your house. And lack and poverty have to run out the back door. For in the anointing, provision is there in the anointing. You know how you can see this very clearly? Jesus was the anointed one. Notice the first thing that happened in his life. Wise men came and opened up to him their treasure bags and gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. First thing, he attracted wealth to his life. You know why? The anointing attracts wealth and dispels poverty and lack. Look at what happened when Paul, Paul's a prisoner, shipwrecked, Acts 28 on the Isle of, uh, pa, or on the Isle of uh, Malta. And when he hits there, the Bible says first thing they start doing after the fire's built for them and then the, shakes the snake off, then the Bible says they all think he's a god. He gets asked to stay in the chief captain of Malta's house, sleeps in the best house, eats at the best table, and then prays for the man's father-in-law. And then after he's healed, all the sicknesses start getting healed. And then the Bible says they start bringing him gifts. Here's some gifts. Then we're going to outfit your ship and put all kinds of stuff on your ship for your journey. He's a prisoner. But he's anointed, and so he can't be in lack or poverty. It draws provision. Luke 8, 1 through 3, Jesus had wealthy businesswomen just attracted to his ministry that just continually sowed from their wealth and their overflow into his ministry, and he had so much wealth in his ministry that Judas could often steal from the money bag and nobody even noticed. Nobody noticed. Let me tell you something. If you got $15 in your wallet and somebody takes five, you notice. Hold on a second. <laughs> Jesus had some stuff and Judas knew it and that's why he got ticked off when the, when the woman broke the alabaster box and it had an ointment in it that was worth a year's wages. We could have sold that, gave the money to the poor. What that meant was we could have sold that and I could have took a cut. <laughs> Bible just outs him on that. It's in the anointing. Three things in the anointing, order, authority, provision. It was in the ark. And wherever God went, victory was with them. Now look at this. It shows up in Obed-Edom's house. Increase, provision, increase, provision. Showed up in David's life. Now look, David said, first thing we're doing as I take over as king, going to get the ark. You know what he was saying? We don't need another king. We need the anointing back in the nation. Just lift your hands and receive that. It's not another king we need. It's the anointing in the nation. I said it's the anointing in the nation. I said it's the anointing in the nation. It's the power of God in the nation. And he goes to get the ark. And look at David's life. David brings things back into order. Then look at this. Brings the authority into the house. And then let me show you something. He gets to the end of his life. And he should have been a man that died on the battlefield. But because he honored God and honored the anointing, a man that fought for his whole life dies of old age. And then goes to build a, he said, I want to be the one to build your house, Lord. He said, you've actually shed too much blood, but I'm going to let your son Solomon build my house. Now watch this, because this is going to stir you up. He said, but David, because you fought and won so much, 
I'm going to let your son reign in peace through his whole life. Watch this. David fought and won to the place where Solomon never had to fight. Oh, man. What I'm preaching to you tonight by the anointing is that stuff that you had to fight and win over, stuff that your parents went through, grandparents went through, your kids will never feel it in Jesus' name. Depression that ran through your family, heart problems that ran through your family, cancer that ran through your family. They said, well, you're a carrot. No, after you came into the kingdom of God, it's a new blood line and I came to tell you get ready for your children won't know the pain that used to be in your family for the power of God is upon your life shout amen. amen you can live like that I know there's people that think you can't you can somebody say it's not my story, not my story. declare it again it's not my story, not my story. Jesus, name. Jesus name and so they bring the ark back and they put this little box, as far as they know, next to the statue of Dagon with his trunk and his hands and his head. It was a big, fat head. <laughs> a big, fat head with a trunk and everything. And they're all rejoicing. What do they do? They go have a feast and get drunk and party all night. And the Bible says, and in the night. Yeah. Glory to God. Somebody say, in the night. I'm getting ready to pray for you. In the night. Say it again. In the night. In the night. See, you need to learn how to believe God in the night. You need to learn how to have victory in the night. If you're waiting for the light to shine before you believe it's coming to pass, you've waited too long. You need to learn how to praise him in the night. You need to learn how to be like Paul and Silas and at midnight they prayed and sang praises unto God. And it wasn't some little quiet embarrassed kumbaya by the fire praise. They praised so loud from the inner dungeon that all the prisoners heard them praising. And at midnight, somebody say dark. When it was the darkest and they should have been depressed and they should have been scared and they should have been panicking. And at midnight, they begin to pray and sing praises unto God unashamed. And then the place began to shake. And I love this because as the place shook, it wasn't just Paul and Silas's door that came open. It wasn't just their chains that fell off, but every door in the prison came open. Every chain fell off. You can praise him for somebody else. You can praise him for your kids. You can praise him for your unsaved husband. You can praise him for your sister. You can get the anointing of God to run through your family. Somebody shout, my kids, my kids will look different. Oh, yeah. My kids ain't going through the junk of this world. Not going through the junk that everybody else is going through. I refuse it in Jesus' name. I said, I refuse it in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God. And they set it up. Here's the ark. Dagon. <laughs> Dumb. And they go get drunk, party, and everything else. And in the morning. See, God knows how to work in the night. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy, by the time the morning hits, joy is there. <laughs> His mercies are new every That means in the night he did something. You were weeping, but when you woke up, he had already done something. And there's joy in the morning. Ha <laughs> ha. Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. That means when you wake up the inner man, God did something in the night. It's new in the morning. God knows how to work in the night. 
I said, God knows how to work in the night. God knows how to work in the night. King Darius of Persia was up all night. He was worried about what Daniel would happen to him and what was going on in that lion's den. And he's freaking out in his palace and he's pacing. And he can't believe he signed that decree to put that godly man down in the lion's den. And God was doing something in the night. Because when those lions should have ate him up, they just had to shut their mouths and sit there and smell how good he smelled. And say, you can't eat me, baby. Ha, ha. <laughs> oh yeah because you know why lions don't eat lions and they threw a lion down in that pit that night and, and he was part of the family of God and lions don't feast on other lions and just so some religious nut uh, couldn't say well you know the lions actually in this story weren't really hungry they threw the wicked men down the next morning and the Bible says the lions hey, ate them up and broke every bone before they touched the ground of the den it wasn't that the lions weren't ferocious it's not that they weren't hungry it's just that God was working in the night and when God works in the night it doesn't matter what weapon has been sent against you no weapon Dagon. <laughs> and in the night, God moves. And they come back in the morning, and the whole statue of Dagon has fallen down face first in front of the ark of God. <laughs> Bowed down low. And the statue's bowing before that little box holding the presence and power of God. And they're all so dumb. Like, Had to be a mistake, brother think we had a tremor in the night. Dumb. Dagon. Picked it up. They picked the statue up and put it back in its place. See, but God won't be undone. God will not be swept under the rug. He'll not be ignored. He takes all the glory when he moves. And so he said, oh, you want to try again? You want round two? Because if you thought round one was serious, wait for round two. I love God. He knows how to come for his people and against their enemies. I preached it the other night. God said, hey, go in and speak to Pharaoh and then tell him to let my people go. And when he says, I'll actually harden his heart so I can slap him again. Uh, let my people go. And then God goes, no, you won't. That's right. I'm not letting them go. Here, take some locusts, sucker. Have some frogs. Have some blood in the Nile. Oh, he kept them there on purpose just so he could destroy that whole system that had put his people in slavery. You don't have to shout me down, but that's good news. I said, God's getting ready to uncover some wickedness in this nation and other nations. God's getting ready to tear the covers off and show what's going on behind the scenes. You can sit back and believe everything's hunky-dory, but I tell you, there's a devil loose in America, and it's time for the body of Christ to stand up and declare that God's going to vindicate the righteous. They tried to shut the church down in 2020, but who do you think you're talking to? Jesus said, I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Huh. Somebody say, will not, prevail. will not prevail. Remain standing. Let me finish here before I pray. And then the Bible says in the night again, God came working. And when they came back in in the morning, not only was the statue bowed low again in front of the ark, but God knew how to make it distinctive. In the night, God came in by his power and cut the hands off the statue. 
lift your hands to heaven. Every wicked thing that thought it was going to harass your life, harass your children, harass your finances, harass your mind. God's cutting the hands off tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. What held you in bondage? What kept you in a place of heaviness? It's being cut off tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. But God didn't stop at the hands. He said, you got a fat head, Dagon. And we're going to take care of it. Bam! And God cut the head off the statue. And the Bible says the statue was bowed before the ark of God. And the hands and the head had been cut off. Whatever tried to come against your authority. That's what the head speaks of. The authority. That Dagon could never be the head over Jehovah, Yahweh God. He's the most high God. Every other God is the works of men. But he's the most high God. There's none like him. There's nobody beside him. We sing a song right now in Christianity. It's going around. And one of the parts of the song says, you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever. God you reign see there's power in that because understand what it means you have no rival you got nobody can even stand up next to you you've got no equal for years we've thought that the devil is fighting against God and it's good versus evil and they're trading punches people even thought that's what happened in hell when Jesus descended into the lower parts and that he had to fight against the devil and take back or strip him of no 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 the light of the world smacked open the doors and stepped into utter darkness and Satan had to bow his knee and every demon had to bow their knee he didn't have to fight to take them back he just said put them in my hand and the devil had to give him what was his and then he led captivity captive and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it somebody shout amen, amen. cut the hands off cut the head off Cut the hands off. Cut the head off. What I'm preaching to you tonight is not only is God removing obstacles out of your way, but everything that stood against you is getting ready to be cut off by the power of the Holy Ghost. God's moving on behalf of his faithful people. And things are being cut off, cut short, moved out of the way. There is no weapon formed against you that can be allowed to prosper. The devil is not your rival. He doesn't hold a, a candle to the power of God. All power is given unto him. And he gave us authority over all the power of the devil. There is nothing that by any means can take you out. If you believe it, lift both hands to heaven and begin to thank God for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody run up on this piano. I'm getting ready to minister to God's people. And I'm telling you, God's got a plan to bless you. You didn't come by accident. You're here by the power of God. By the design of God, something is changing on your behalf. Something good's about to happen to you. I said something good's about to happen to you. Something good's about to happen to you. Something good's about to happen to you. Ha, 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 Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you, if you're watching online, get ready for a touch from heaven. I said get ready for a touch from heaven. For God's getting ready to do it in such a way that it will be only him that gets praise and glory. Only him. Only him. Ha, ha, ha. I want the Van Noys to come here real quick. Come on. Quickly. The power of God's moving. 
things are getting ready to change so swiftly. So swiftly. Bring it down just a hair, brother. Lift your hands, both of you. I'm telling you. Now, you received a word last year. We talked about it last night. You received a word last year as you came to kickstart before even any issue happened in America, before anything broke loose. But then you had such increase hit your lives and your businesses, finances. But I heard the Lord say tonight that that is nothing. What, you, what you've seen him do for you, that's not, that's not even, that's, you've not even scratched the surface. For I'm telling you what's getting ready to happen is going to blow not only your mind, but every onlooker that sees what God's doing in your life. Whew. The church is getting ready to explode in productivity, and you're going to see things happen like you've never seen happen. It'll be truly supernatural because you won't be able to attach an explanation to it. If somebody even comes in to try to analyze the situation, it's not explainable. It's inexplicable. That shows you it's the power of God. And God's going to open up more provision to you in one year than you've ever had happen. Hear this. More provision to you than you've ever had happen. <laughs> Doors are opening for that. Now, in the, in the regards to this other, other matter here, leaders will be raised up, but you'll see revival spark in that church. You tell your father, get ready. Because God's putting a new refreshing upon him and the church. And although others feel like they're struggling against the flow or against the grain, your church will be in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to have a mighty move of the Holy Spirit hit. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's going to actually draw families in because they're hungry. And there's a lot of places still shut down and afraid. But the spirit of faith that's going to be upon the house of God is going to draw people who need a touch. And you watch and see, for this will be a swift increase, says the Lord. <laughs> for I have plans. I have plans. I have plans to carry out, says the Lord. And if you'll be yielded to my spirit, I'll open the doors. And you'll see it happen by the power of God. Lift your hands and thank God for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Ha, 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 ha. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Glory to God. I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready, get ready. Get ready. Kenneth and Isaac, come here. Glory, glory. As we stepped over into this new year, both of you lift your hands. As we stepped over into this new year, 2021, something changed in the both of you. Something changed in the both of you. It's like you stood up into your calling. I'm glad I got to begin the year with you at the Faith Church. It's a church full of faith. Church full of life. And I'm glad I got to be there with you because something shifted for you this year. This year. And you're not ever going back. There's such, now look, there's a strength that God placed on both of you. You'll carry a strength in the anointing. Much of that, obviously, is impartation that you've received. It's impartation. That's a generational blessing. You ought to thank God for that. Thank God for the faithfulness of your parents, grandparents. You ought to thank God for the faith that's in your house. But I just wanted to tell you this tonight. Something changed. Something changed. And there's a strength. Now, I see it like this. There's a bubbling up, like a spiritual, uh, trying to think of the best way I can describe it to you. It's like I see almost like two fire hydrants that have been uncapped. And like a rough blast 
of that water, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And I'm talking about you'll prophesy, the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation, and you'll see the strength of God's Spirit come upon your preaching and teaching. You'll preach and teach by the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and you'll feel the gift of faith rise, rise, rise as you minister on behalf of the Lord God Almighty. And I'm telling you, expect in this year for things to change drastically and swiftly. It's going to be a big change and a quick change. For God has a plan for the both of you, and you're going to step into it by the fire of God and the power of God. From this night, I tell you, nothing will ever be the same again. You ought to give God praise because he has called you. He's purposed you. Don't ever let anybody tell you you're not called or purposed. It's the Holy Ghost. Fire of God. Come upon both of them tonight. Fresh fire. A fresh fire in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Lift your hands and thank the Lord. I'm just telling you, we're changing levels tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. We're not going back. We're moving ahead. I said, we're not going backwards, we're moving ahead. We're not going backwards, we're moving ahead. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not going backwards, we're moving ahead. Amen? We're not going backwards, we're moving ahead. Not going back, we're moving ahead. Hear that? We're not going back. George, come forward. We're not moving back. We're moving ahead. <laughs> There's been this desire to grow in the things of God and to see the manifestations of the Spirit even at work in your life. He said, Lord, let me step out. Let me let the anointing flow on me like that. I want to see those open doors, and I want to see you touch your people. Use me to do it. And what I'm telling you is this. Not only has the Lord heard your prayers, but you're stepping into a new level this year. You're stepping into a new level. It's a new level to minister on behalf of the Lord. <laughs> you're going to laugh. You'll laugh your way through the whole year because it'll be so fulfilling to see God use you just like you prayed. That's answered prayer. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. <laughs> receive it tonight. Fresh joy in the Holy Ghost as your prayers are answered. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Lift those hands and thank Him. Lift those hands and praise Him. His presence is here right now. Glory to the Most High God. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. AJ, come. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift those hands. I'm just telling you this. Mm. Mm. The doors are opening up. You're going to preach by fire. You didn't drive here and come by accident all the way from South Carolina, but you came with a hunger in your spirit and expectancy in your soul. And I'm telling you right now, due season is now, not later. Due season is now. Due season is now. I hear the Lord say this, and I've never said this to a person in my whole life. I hear the Lord say it. There's revival in your belly. There's revival in your belly. That where you go, you take revival with you. And God's opening the doors. You'll preach with the fire of the Holy Ghost and spread revival wherever you go. In Jesus' name. Now, from this night, Lord, I pray that all the provision he needs comes into his hands. I pray that the doors swiftly open for him. <laughs> and from this night, fill him to overflowing. <laughs> and like you've never felt wisdom, wisdom to do the, to do the task. Stand by the power of the Holy Ghost.
Lift your hands one more time. For I heard the Lord say tonight, there's a double portion for the both of you. <laughs> double portion, double portion, double portion, double portion. Du and let no man despise your youth. Let no man despise your youth. I tell you now. For some people don't understand this, but I say it by the Spirit of God, that there's more in a person than their age. There's more in a person than their age because it has to do with impartation, has to do with what's been deposited, has to do with the seed that's been put into your belly. And it produces a harvest in its time and in its season. And there's people that are older that don't have what some that are younger do. Has nothing to do with the sovereignty of God. Has everything to do with impartation. And so don't let anybody despise your youth. And don't ever become uh, ashamed to speak boldly like you should. But you say, well, I'm only this age. I've not done this or that. Don't you think a thing about it. Do like Paul told Timothy. Don't let any man despise your youth. For I've called you, says the Lord. I've purposed you, says the Lord. I've set you in place to do what I've called you to do. Now do it by fire. In Jesus' name, do it by fire. Do it by fire. Do it by fire. Hallelujah. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lift those hands one more time and thank the Lord for his goodness. Amen. We started this revival on Sunday morning of this, this week with this verse of Scripture. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by any man's might or any man's power. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that does the things, does the works. Amen? Amen? Lift those hands. I'm telling you. I feel it. This brother right here, come. Yeah. I forget your first name, but come. Oh, glory. Got to be able to spend some time with you and enjoyed it. We got to talk a little bit. So what, for those that are listening, what I'm saying is not by a word of knowledge. I've actually spoken to him at the table. But as we've been talking and as it's gotten settled in my spirit, I hear the Lord saying this, that not only are the doors opening to these nations, not only are the doors opening, but I tell you this, the doors are opening for entrance, but the doors are opening for the operation of the spirit. It's possible to go to a place and be rejected. It's possible to go to a place and not have fruitful ministry. But the Lord tells me to tell you, he's not just opening the door for entrance into these nations. It's doors of opportunity, like the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians. Doors of opportunity have opened, though many oppose me. And I hear the Lord say, it doesn't matter who opposes you. I've sent you to do the work. And I'm going to supply you fully with provision to do these works that I've called you to do. And you'll have fruitful impact. Fruit that will remain, says the Lord. Fruit that will remain. And then it'll be like a snowball effect. For the word will get out, and then you'll go from place to place to place, and God will continue to use you to bring this end time a harvest of souls into the kingdom. <laughs> it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen. Receive it by the power of God, like nothing you've ever seen. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Somebody say like we've never seen. Say like we've never seen. Lift those hands like we've never seen. I'm expecting it like we've never seen. Yeah, 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 like we've never seen. I don't want a repeat of something old. I want something like we've never seen. I want to see God move in such a way that it makes the wicked angry, that they see what he's doing and get angry about it. That's what I'm believing for. <laughs> Somebody say it again, like we've never seen. Take a few steps forward. Glory to God. It's like I saw a vision of you standing on streets. It's like street corners. 
I see like 7-Elevens and liquor stores. I see uh, like McDonald's parking lots and Taco Bells. And I see you out there. You're not dressed up even. I see you like, in, it's like I can see you in shorts and a t-shirt or hoodie and jeans. And a, but I see you out there with like a Bible in your hand. And I can see people. It's like I see folks lined up in Taco Bell, lined up in the liquor store parking lot, lined up in, 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 these, in these different places. And I see like, it's almost like I see it in my spirit. Like there's a church service going on in ABC liquor parking lot and like in, in, in Taco Bell parking lot and McDonald's parking lot and Walmart parking lot and I see it's, it's the weirdest thing it's like I see people lined up that are sitting there ready to receive prayer and they're shoulder to shoulder I see the Lord opening up doors for you it's like it's like I'm seeing street evangelism like street uh, like you're preaching on the streets like you're ministering on the streets and it won't be like hey I'm gonna invite you to church come with me this weekend it'll be like hey you need something right now get it right now you'll you'll lead them in the, in the prayer of salvation and then they'll get delivered from drugs and delivered from uh, uh, nicotine and alcohol. I see you getting a hold of some of these people that were the untouchables and the unreachables and watching as God uses you right out in the highways and the byways, bringing in the harvest of souls and seeing people delivered by the power of God. And so I tell you this, tonight as I lay my hands upon you, a new boldness is jumping into your spirit, a boldness like you've never known. For you'll have a fire rise up on the inside of you. There'll be times you'll say stuff right out of your mouth and say, did I say that? Did that just come out of me? It's the Holy Ghost for boldness to do the work. Even Paul prayed. He said, I pray for me that boldness may be granted under me, that I may preach the mysteries of the gospel. It's coming upon you tonight. A new fire and a new boldness in the Holy Ghost. Receive it in Jesus' name. New fire, new boldness in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. See, I want, I want to show you something. It's not, people say, man, that must be a powerful meeting. Look how many people fell on the ground. It ain't about if you fall down or not. It's what you do when you get up. <laughs> you better do something when you get up. Amen. Because it's about what we do with our actions. It's about what Jesus has called us to do. See, the problem sometimes in America, we've kept this all inside the four walls of the church. And I heard, I heard uh, one thing I heard Dr. Rodney Howard Brown say, I'll never forget it. He said, there's people, he said, we've got Baptist brothers and sisters that are out there reaping the harvest. And they're actually pulling it in, pulling it in. They've got, it, they got a chainsaw and cutting it down manually. You come into some Pentecostal churches, we just all to come together with our chainsaw and see who can rev theirs the loudest. It's not about revving your chainsaw. It's not seeing how loud you can get. It's not about how demonstrative you are. What are you doing for the kingdom when you leave the church? What are you doing for the kingdom when you go outside the four walls? Because Jesus is coming. Somebody say, he's coming. Say, he's coming soon. Say it again, he's coming soon. Oh, I feel his presence. Lift your hands one more time. In a moment, I'm going to minister to every person. Just pray. God's going to touch every one of us. <laughs> Can you sense his presence here? Can you sense his power? He's touching us. We ought to thank him. Buddy, I want you and your wife to come. And specifically her because she's catching impartation right now. I want you to hold your hands out. I, I meant your wife, but thank you for your obedience. Amen. <laughs> hold your hands out. For tonight, God imparts to you a new level in your gifting and in your calling. I'm going to ask the Lord to do this because I believe it's scriptural. I believe you can do it. In the Old Testament, Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, what would you have me to do for you? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit.
He didn't say the Holy Spirit. He said your spirit. I'm going to ask the Lord to give you a gift tonight. I'm going to ask him that whatever good thing he's given to me in this impartation to sing, play, and worship, I'm going to ask him that he'll put it upon your hands tonight. The same thing that took place in me when Brother Shambach laid hands on me all those years ago, I couldn't play a piano, not a bit, but the Holy Ghost touched my mind. And the mind of Christ came upon, alive in me. And I began to see things I'd never seen. And I began to do in my calling and in my purpose what I had never done. I'm going to ask the Lord to give you a gift. Would you receive it? They can't hear you not. Yes. yes. I'm going to lay my hands upon you and say, and ask the Lord. And I believe he'll do it. You believe it? Yes. Because you have a desire, don't you? Yes. And tonight, by your hunger, your desire, and I ask the Lord to do it. Father, from this night, I pray and ask you to release this impartation to her, this impartation to worship, play, and by delivering anointing and power. Let the captives be set free. Lord, as David went into the courts of King Saul when an evil spirit troubled his mind, played on the harp, and the evil spirit had to leave, I pray that you'd put that same gifting and calling upon these hands and upon this woman. Let her from this night forward play and operate by the fire of God. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> Receive that strength of the Holy Ghost. Things are changing. I hear the Lord say this. Now listen to me. I know this is one of the things the Lord's called me to do with my ministry and with my life. If you're in the house tonight, this is specific. If you're in this house tonight and the enemy through this whole last year used a spirit of heaviness to try to come on your mind, depression, anxiety, fear. And it's like you dealt with that through this whole last 12 months. And it felt like it was just weighing on you. And I'm talking about it in an oppressive way. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar right now because I'm going to cast that thing off by the power of God. And joy is coming tonight in Jesus' name. Joy is coming tonight in Jesus' name. Quickly come if that's you. It's coming to an end. Hallelujah. It's coming to an end. Just come stand right here, shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to lay hands on you. Everybody stretch your hands this way. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't be ashamed. Every one of us need a touch from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you first so you can go back to your post in just a moment. Hallelujah. We need all hands on deck. Thank you, Jesus. Because the one who just got anointed, she's still out under the power, and so she can't play from there. We're going to pray for you first. You believe God will do it? Amen. From this night forward, if you need to be at this altar, get to this altar and don't delay. Because I'm telling you, freedom's here by the power of God. Joy comes in the morning. Either the Holy Spirit's playing or we've got a CD. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We don't know. I think it's a CD. Jesus, touch your people tonight supernaturally. I take authority over every spirit of fear, spirit of heaviness that's tried to touch your people, tried to come upon them. This thing that's tried to weigh on them, it has to come off tonight by the power of God. And Lord, I thank you that new joy is not only coming in, but I thank you that that means new strength is coming upon them from this night forward. And all things are turning around by the power of God. In Jesus' mighty name, receive it. There it is, fire of the Holy Ghost. I command that heaviness come off from this night forward, free by the power of God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And from this night, you'll never be the same again in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, 
We give you praise and thanks for it from this night. Amen. Get back to work. Hallelujah. You believe it? From this night forth. How many are going to receive an impartation from the Lord tonight? How many of you are believing God that whatever stood in your way, it's running out from this night forward in Jesus' name? How many are believing as we minister to each and every one of you? It's not going to take all night. Amen. We're going to lay our hands on you and we're going to receive what God has. Amen. How many declare this with me? From this night forward, every obstacle is removed. Every harassment of the enemy looses its grip from off my life. I will run in victory in 2021. Never-ending increase is my story in Jesus' mighty name. Now lift your hands and thank the Lord that it is done by the power of God. Free in Jesus' name. I command heaviness, fear, anxiety, go in Jesus' name. Be free by the power of God. No more. Free by the power of the Holy Ghost from this night forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I see it now. God's got a plan to use you. Lift your hands. Oh, yeah, there's an anointing upon your life. God has set you apart. It's not an accident that you're here. For the Lord's raised you up in these last days. Amen. Raised you up to bless your generation, to touch your generation. Your life will meet, be very meaningful before Jesus comes. Yield yourself to the power of God in Jesus' name. Free, be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Free in Jesus' name. Free in Jesus' name. Begin to thank him. Before we minister to every one of you, I want you to bow your heads all over this church. Hear me. If there's even one person that's not ready for heaven, tonight's the night to make sure that you're ready to see Jesus when he comes. Hear what I'm saying. Time's running out. It's coming to a close. I'll tell you, the trumpet's going to sound. And when it does, the Bible says Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a commanding shout. And the dead in Christ are going to get up out of their graves. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Now, I'm telling you right now, I would not gamble with my future. Don't play games with your future. If Jesus came tonight, would you be able to look him in the eye and call him Savior and call him Lord? Or would you not be able... Would you not be able to look him in the face knowing there are things in your life displeasing to God, things that are sinful that separate you from God Almighty? The Bible says that we can know we have life eternal. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a work of the Spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this church tonight and you know that you need to pray this prayer, and that all things need to be made new. Don't leave this house without doing what the Spirit is drawing you to do tonight. If you're here, you say, that's me. I need to know. I need to be ready. I need to be forgiven of my sin. I want you to lift your hand right where you are and don't be ashamed of it. If there's even one, don't let me miss you. Wave it out. Let me see who you are. I see it. I see it over here. Who else? This is your night. Don't miss your moment. As Jesus is calling your name. I always tell people this, if Jesus is calling, don't hit the decline button on the call. Answer the call. He may not call again. We don't, we're not promised tomorrow he could come. You know, there's nothing holding Jesus back. I see your hand in the back there. I love you. God bless you. 
Do you know there's nothing holding Jesus back from coming except his love for the earth to see men and women saved? That's it. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled before he can come. He could come tonight. He could come tonight. Listen to me. This is very important. Who cares what anybody may think? The opinions of people don't matter. Only the opinion of God matters. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come out of your seat and stand with me at God's altar right now and come quickly. Come on, come on, come on. The three of you lifted your hands. Come, we're going to pray as a family. God bless you. Come on, come on. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, buddy. Come on. Love you. God bless you. I want every person bow your heads. Join hands if you want with your neighbor. They don't have COVID. Amen. Glory. And we're going to say this boldly and with a loud voice. Let the Lord know I mean business tonight. I'm never going back. Pray this with me. Say, Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Tonight I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life. Until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. From this night forward, I'm a child of God, a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. I am free. Now lift your hands and thank the Lord. Father, I pray you fill every one of them with your power. Use them for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name that you protect them from harm and danger. I pray that you would empower them, embolden them to win souls for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout aloud, amen. amen. Listen, those of you that answered this altar call, please don't leave tonight without speaking to one of us. We want to give you some next steps, give you some free gifts, let you know we love you, we're standing with you. How many know that we're going to get stronger, stronger, stronger by the power of God? Here's what we're going to do. I feel to pray for every one of you that want to receive this tonight. If you don't, that's fine. But I'm going to leave here in victory. We're going to leave here with an impartation. How many believe in this is your night for a turnaround? I'm telling you, I've got my faith set, and it's been set all week. What did I say at the beginning? I said, Lord, let this be a week that every prayer request is turned into a praise report in Jesus' name. Now, if you're believing for an impartation of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, here's what we're going to do, and it's not going to take all night. We're going to have you come to the altar. We'll form one line. I'll lay hands on every one of you. I won't leave until every person that wants prayer and gets prayer, but we're going to leave here in victory. Can you say Amen. I want this worship team to come back, get whatever victorious songs. We're not going to slowly worship our way out. We're praising in victory. Amen. Praise, by the way, is the language of victory. Somebody say praise. It's the language of victory. Do you know that as they praised God throughout the Old and New Testaments, victory after victory was won? Did you know that as we praise God, God fights our battles for us? Can you say Amen. And this is going to be a night of victory. I believe it already has been. But we're asking God for every prayer to be answered. How many have prayer requests? You're believing for miracles in your own personal life. I'm asking the Lord that tonight's the night he answers your prayer. How many believe he can do it? And more. Hallelujah. Exceeding abundantly and above all that we can ask or think. So here's what we're going to do. If you stand on your feet, 
we're going to have you come, and I'm going to start right here, right where I'm standing, and we're going to let you form one line around. If you've got to go all the way around, whatever you've got to do, but stay in this atmosphere of prayer. If you would, come on, let's start right now. Don't delay. Amen. We're going to pray for every last one of you that wants